It's the final moment where Jesus and his disciples are all together. It will never be like this again. And what happens in the next few moments as Jesus washes their feet plays a huge significance in our theology as Jesus serves and teaches with this one example. You're listening to the Girlfriends in the Word podcast. I'm your host, Natalia Drum. This podcast is designed to dive into scripture through systematic study in books of the Bible, through cultural conversations with women today, or on specific topical studies so that we can learn what God has to say for our lives. My goal is to equip you to study God's word well and to encourage you in your faith journey as we walk together and become girlfriends in the word. Happy Wednesday, friends. I sure hope that you are enjoying these few weeks before Easter and have been enjoying these podcast episodes as we take this time in this series to journey through the Gospels and follow along in the story of Jesus as he makes his way into Jerusalem and toward the cross. In the last couple of weeks, we've covered the importance of the incarnation of Jesus and why it was that he had to become human and put on flesh and all of that that it entails. And then last week, we studied the passage in Luke describing the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. So this week, we're going to move into a different gospel as we continue our Garden to Grave to Glory series. And we're going to study a passage in John chapter 13, because it is the passage that the Apostle John gives us a glimpse into the night of the Passover meal, where Jesus shares his last meal with the 12 disciples. And it's the initiation of the Lord's Supper. But before we get to that, there's a very intimate and very important story that John records for us. And that's the story of the washing of the disciples' feet. And it's a beautiful passage and it teaches us so much about Jesus and about servant leadership, as well as some incredibly important theology. So today I'm going to be in John chapter 13 verses 1 through about 19 and I'm reading from the ESV. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. Now, before we jump into all the things, I know that normally I start at the beginning of the text and move forward, but this week I just want to do something a little different. I want to start at the end of the text and then jump back to the beginning because let's look at verse 18. Jesus has just gone through everything. He's had dinner, washed the disciples' feet. He's taught Peter this crucial theological lesson. And then he says something so interesting. It's actually said a couple of times through the text, but look specifically at verse 18. Jesus said, I am not speaking of all of you. I know who I have chosen. Now look back at verse 11. He's reiterated this again. He's made this point throughout the entire passage that, well, all 12 men are at the Passover dinner there with Jesus, and they've been there for all of these years and seen the miracles and watched the healings and heard the teachings and even ministered in the name of Jesus to their communities. And they themselves have done miraculous things through the power of Jesus in them. Not all of the 12 were his. Judas had seen Jesus transform people. He has walked closely with Jesus. He was one of the inner 12 disciples for crying out loud. And yet even this wasn't enough to soften his heart into submission and resist the devil. Let that sink in for a moment. Not everyone who followed Jesus was a genuine disciple of Jesus. I don't know about you, but that gives me chills. It makes me pause and check my spirit. It makes me acutely aware that even today, not everyone who does the things, who goes to church, who sees the transformations or sings the songs and watches the miracles around them, not everyone who actively ministers to people in the name of Jesus genuinely belongs to Jesus. And get this, because I think this is important. It wasn't the disciples who knew who was the rotten apple in the bunch. It was Jesus. Yes, we as Christians need to test the fruit that we see, and it's important to see clarity and wisdom when we pick people in our community, and we need to be discerning as to whether or not they're genuine believers. But ultimately, it's Jesus who judges because he knows who is his and who he has chosen. We don't do the choosing. Jesus does. So before we spend the entire episode on this, I want us to look at the rest of the passage, but I think it's so important that we keep that in mind as we minister, as we work, as we serve, and we, we take a look at our lives and we, we ask ourselves, am I a genuine follower, disciple of Jesus? Does my life prove that? Right? So back to the text, let's go back to the beginning and start at the top. It's the Passover dinner. This is it. It's the week. The meal has started. Things are going well. We've got this picture in our minds. The disciples are at the table reclining, breaking bread, eating their lamb and bitter herbs and all the things that are entailed in the Passover meal. And then all of a sudden, Jesus does something. His spirit is heavy. There's been a shift. He knows that his time is running out. He's down to hours, no longer years or months or weeks. He can see the cross. And this is the last time he will ever be with these 12 men again. Sit with that for a moment. This is the final meal 
and the final teaching. Because after this moment, everything changes. Everything is about to change. And what Jesus does next is so important. And in these final moments with his people, Jesus moves from his cushion. His food is set aside and he goes to a water bowl, grabs a towel, and he lets his disciples know he has one more service for all of them. He must wash their feet. Now, perhaps you've heard the teachings on feet washing before. And if so, just skip like the next 60 seconds. But for those of you who haven't, let me explain it for you. We, we got to get out of our Western world mindset because the text is happening in Jerusalem in the ancient world. There are no perfectly paved concrete roads and thick hiking boots with wool socks, right? This is desert territory in the Middle East. We're talking a bustling city full of dirt and dust and dry, arid air. Some roads had stone, but others were simply dirt, compacted by the weight of donkeys and horses and other cattle that carried people and provisions from all over the place. And I don't know about you, but if you have ever walked somewhere where animals walk, animals don't really care where they poop. So the roads are speckled with manure here and there. And by the end of a day, just one day, you can imagine how especially dirty someone's feet are, even with sandals on. So the rinsing and washing of feet, that was always left to the lowest of servants because it was the least desired job even for the servants. And here's Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one, the King of the Jews, the Son of God, washing feet. Now, I understand Peter. He's indignant about the task. And when Jesus comes to Peter, they have this, this word play game that happens. And if you've studied the Gospels and the disciples, Peter and Jesus have these interchanges quite often, actually. I think there's like seven of them in the Gospel of John. And, and, and watch this, because in verse 8 of the text, Peter's outraged. He says, no, you'll, you'll never wash my feet, Jesus. It's as if he's saying, no way, Jesus, you can't do that. You can't clean that. I won't let you see that part of me. They're my feet. It's like the dirtiest part of me, Jesus. I don't know about you, but has anyone, anyone ever been here before? Where something on you or in you feels so dirty, so gross, so low that you don't even want Jesus to see that. You don't even want to bring it to Jesus for him to clean it. Listen in, lean into this. Because watch what Jesus says next. He says in that verse, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Oh, it's beautiful. Jesus is saying, Peter, the only way for you to be a part of me is if I can clean you. The dirtiest part of you, that part that has all that yuck and muck from this world and all your sin. I got to clean that. And then Peter kind of gets it all wrong. And there's this beautiful wordplay that happens in the Greek. And then Peter swings the pendulum all the way to the other side. He says, okay, Jesus, if you're going to wash my feet, then do my hands and my head and all of me. Get all the dirt off of me. Have at it. And while I love his submission, he, he misses the point because the words that happen next in the Greek that Jesus uses are there. There's two words. And one is Luo, which encompasses a total cleansing, right? Keep that in mind. 
because Peter uses that word, but then Jesus uses another word. It's called nipto. And this isn't an entire cleansing, but a partial cleansing. And so where Peter has swung from one extreme to the other, look at what Jesus says in verse 10. He says, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. You see, in the Greek, what's happening is Jesus is saying, listen, Peter, you're, you're already cleansed. I've washed all of you. But now there's just this part of you that I need to wash away. And it's as if Jesus moves from the physical presence of the feet washing to some spiritual teaching. He's saying, Peter, I've already forgiven your sins. I've washed them clean. What you need from me today is just a partial cleansing. I need to wipe this world off of you. I've seen that you've been out in the world all day and there's things that are sticking to you that they don't need to stick to you. So let me wash your feet and get off the dust and the dirt and the muck and the mire of this world and let me wash it away. And that's his message for you and I today, friends. If you are in Christ, you are cleansed. Your debt is paid. Your sins forgiven. The righteousness of Christ has been imposed upon you. And at the moment of our judgment, Jesus will be in front of us when the Father says, well, what about you? He's not going to see our sins because of the cleansing that we have in Christ. But that doesn't mean we don't still walk through this world. And after our salvation, we still sin and we pick up all of the yuck and the muck of this world. And that stench of sin can still stick to us. So we got to come to Jesus and we got to be washed daily. Not all of us. We've already been cleansed but we've got to come to him and have him wash away the world from us. And so don't get this. You don't have to be saved over and over and over again. Once you're cleansed, you're cleansed. But you do need to be washed because this world gets sticky. And the only way to wipe off the residue of the world is with Jesus. See, pay attention to the text. The washing of the feet isn't something Jesus did for all of the people in Jerusalem. He doesn't do it for the masses. He did it for the few. He did it for his people. He's washing off the world through this illustration and teaching them that if he, the son of God, can wash their feet, if he can serve them in this way, then they too can serve one another. And that this humility is an act of servant leadership. It's also through this action that Jesus teaches the important theological significance of cleansing and washing. We are cleansed once and washed often. So friends, this week, let's spend time with Jesus. Let's bring him all of our yuck. Let's allow him to wash us. Let's come to him daily, hourly even if necessary, as we see the world try to stick to our souls. And let's ask him to wash it away. And if you're listening to this podcast today and there is something in you and you're even wondering if you've ever been cleansed to begin with, I urge you, I implore you, I beg you to listen to the prompting of the spirit to come to Jesus for cleansing. There's no magical prayer. There's no formula. It really is just as simple as believing the scripture that says, if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father, that we shall be saved. You can pray something as simple as Jesus. I believe you are the savior who can cleanse me of my sin. 
I am a sinner. Would you please cleanse me? Because the beauty of the gospel is right in front of us, friends. And this week, as we journey another week closer to Easter, let's praise him for the work that he did of cleansing our sins. And let's come to him for a daily washing away of this world. And let's rejoice in the glory that is coming, that Jesus is the King and he is the one who does all the work for us. Until next week, friends.